Welcome, guys, to our Valor Men's Podcast. We've been going through this timeless series with Pastor Greg and hope you have been able to join us on Sunday. Of course, we have three service times now, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 12 o'clock, so hope you're joining us there. Or you can check it out on our website at harvest.church. But, you know, this is the last in this series, Timeless, and what we're going to be looking at today is the Bible. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of Bibles at home. You know, all the different versions, and um, I love them all and read them all. But I remember my first encounter, really, with the Bible. It was when I was a kid. I was probably, well, I think I was eight years old. And it was a Christmas present. And I had come out, you know, and for Christmas, when you're a kid, you're you're looking for all the cool toys. And back then, it was like the, the game Twister or Hot Wheels or a new Schwinn bike. Or, you know, the Hot Wheels had that loop-to-loop track that uh, we used to play with when we were kids. Those were really fun. But I also got a Bible, and uh, in it, my uh, dad and mom had wrote something about me coming to a relationship with God and growing in my faith through reading the Bible. And I still have that Bible. I think it's the only gift I have from the 60s, but uh, I still have that Bible, and I love it, added many more to it. But, you know, the Word of God is so important for us as believers, and hopefully through this podcast, you'll just be a little more in love with God's Word and not be intimidated about reading the Bible, studying the Bible. And so, you know, the Bible is broken up into two sections. It's one book, but two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Of course, the Old Testament has uh, 39 books in it. The New Testament has 27. There's a total of 66 books, but written over a long period of time uh, from 1500 BC to 100 AD. So, covers a a broad gamut of time written by over 40 authors, but it's all God's Word. And uh, it's kind of neat to even think about the story of the Bible itself. Of course, we know the Ten Commandments were written on stone by God's fingers, but, you know, back in the day, they wrote them on parchments. Uh, They wrote them on uh, vellum, you know, which was animal skins. You know, the first Bible that was printed was the Gutenberg, or that was actually the first book that was ever printed with the printing press, the Gutenberg Bible, that was in Latin. But, um, you know, there's been so many translations from the original languages of Hebrew and Greek. And we have our Bible, of course, translated into English and in many different versions. Like I said, there's the New American Standard, there's the ESV, there's the New King James Version, which I really love. There's a King James Version. There's the New Living Translation, which our New Believers Bible is in. But the point is, we need to be students of God's Word. This is God's Word to us. You know, Abraham Lincoln made the the statement, I believe that the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to all men. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. I love that, to think that President Lincoln would say that. George Washington actually says, it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Man, isn't that amazing to think about? There's two very, very important presidents. I don't know what our president says about the Bible today, but I hope he has good things to say about it. But more importantly, what does the Bible say about itself? You know, Jesus said in the volume of the book, it is written of me. In the volume of the book. And when Jesus said that, the New Testament hadn't even been written. He was talking about the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. And then, of course, we know that after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, 
you know, his disciples uh, began to write uh, scripture on his life and uh, inspired by God himself and the Holy Spirit. And we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, of course, the book of Acts is the history of the church. And then all the epistles or letters that were written by the Apostle Paul were written by Jesus' half-brothers, Jude and James, and also by Peter, um, and then also by uh, John. John wrote the Gospel of John, and then he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. But, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I love that because God's Word is given by inspiration of God. And that word inspiration means it's God breathed. He breathed His life into it. So God gave us His life through this book, and it's God's instruction manual to us. You know, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is living, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Bible, man, it gets down to the nitty-gritty, the nitty-gritty, not only of truth, but it speaks to our own hearts. And I kind of look at the Bible in two ways. I look at it, number one, as a love letter from God. Because in a love letter, you know, you reveal yourself. Maybe you've written a love letter, guys, you know, and I hope you have. I hope you've written one to your, you know, if you're married to your wife, obviously. If you're not married, maybe you wrote it to a girl or something. But uh, a love letter reveals who you are. It reveals how you feel. It reveals your character and your nature. And God has written us a love letter really revealing who he is. He's revealing his heart because he wants us to know him. And uh, I love the fact that in a love letter, you know, usually read it more than once. You know, you pick it up and it kind of it feels good reading it again. And uh, we're supposed to read the Bible again and again and again and keep reading it. But God reveals himself to us. Now, it's also an instruction manual. So I look at it as a love letter, but I also look at it as an instruction manual. And I used to drive a 1961 Volkswagen bus. It was super clean, lots of windows. And if any of you have ever owned a Volkswagen, you also know that you have to learn to be a mechanic because as cool as they are and as fun as they are to drive, they're always breaking down, you know, when you least expect it to. But uh, I've had the brakes go out on them a couple times. I've had, you know, you're always fiddling with the carburation, those little Solex carburetors, you know, the the timing, all that. You're, you're just always messing around with them. But I bought this book. It was called How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive. The Manual of a Step-by-Step Procedures for the Complete Idiot, which is a great title. But I'll tell you what, I used that book to keep my Volkswagen bus going, and it was it got greasy, man. You could hardly read some of the pages, but it had pictures and everything. But, you know, God doesn't call us idiots, but the Bible is his manual, how to keep our faith alive and growing. So today, I just want to break down a scripture, the 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so let's let's break this down. So, the word of God is profitable for doctrine. Okay, so doctrine really just means the teaching or truth about God, the truth about God. 
And uh, we live in a day where there's a lot of confusion about what truth is, but the Bible is the truth about God. And you know, you've maybe heard the saying, content is king. Well, the content of the Bible is king. It reveals the truth about God and who he is and about his nature. And um, so it reveals God's attributes, his character, the way God thinks. So how do we know, for instance, that God is omniscient, that God knows everything? You know, we could, I guess, think that, well, I guess God should know everything. But honestly, the reason we know that God knows everything is because the Bible says he knows everything. You know, 1 John 3.20 says God is greater than our hearts because he knows all things. He knows all things. Psalms 139.1 says, Lord, you have searched me. You have tried me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You know my thoughts from afar. God is omniscient. He knows. He knows what's going on. How do we know that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere? Well, David in Psalms 139, 7 through 12 says, where can I go from your spirit and where can I run from your presence? There's nowhere we can run from God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. How do we know God is eternal? Well, God said he's eternal. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, the prophet wrote, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the beginning from the end, and from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I will please. So we see that God is eternal here. Revelation says he's the first and the last, the omega, the alpha and the omega. So God is eternal. So he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. We learn about salvation. All these things we learn from the Bible, God's revelation to us. Well, that verse goes on, and it says that God's Word is profitable not only for doctrine, but for reproof or for proving or testing or even exposing. So as we're reading God's Word, God reveals when we need to be reproved. You know, we've got a wrong action or a wrong thought, and God's Word will call us out on it. For instance, you know, guys, honestly, you know, we all have this, this problem, and it's called pride, right? If you don't think you do, you probably really do. But uh, you can ask your wife if you're married. She'll probably be the first one to tell you, you know, we got to always check our pride. But, you know, in, in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, it said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You know, and I think when we read a verse like that, man, it reproves us. It's like, man, I got I to gotta tone it down a little bit, you know? You know, so it's like it's easy to kind of get caught up in thinking that we know it all or our way is the best, but we've got to really submit ourselves to the Lord uh, and humble ourselves before the Lord. And uh, there's a scripture that says if we do do that, that he will lift us up as well. But it also says the Bible's good for correction. So, yeah, sometimes we need to be reproved, but we need correction too. God tells us how to get it right, how to do things right. And that's what I love about the Bible being an instruction manual for life. It tells me and tells you how to be what God wants you to be. It tells you how to be a godly husband. It tells you how to be a godly father. It tells you how to be not only a God-honoring worker, but a worker that, you know, that, is, that blesses, you know, blesses your boss or if you're a boss, uh, that blesses your your employee or someone working for you. So it's all there in the Bible. It's an instruction manual for life. And we know that because even when we first came to Christ, 
You know, it was the Word of God that came to us, for instance, telling us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and told us that if we come to Him, if we um, if we would repent, that we could be saved. So we see that in our own life, how uh, God not only reproves us, but it corrects us. It also says here that it's for instruction in righteousness. You know, righteousness is a big word. It seems like one of those Bible words that how do you kind of fit it into you know, our daily living. But righteousness just really means right standing or right position with God. And the Bible tells us how to be righteous. You know, first of all, it's very clear in Scripture that we're already positionally righteous because of our faith in Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, when we believed that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that God made us righteous. He actually took our sin to the cross with him, all of it, and died for it, and then gave us his righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? That was the greatest trade of all time, right? I mean, there's some great trades going on and um, in the NBA or the NFL and on Wall Street, I guess. But the greatest trade that was ever made was when Jesus decided to take our sin to the cross and give us his righteousness so that we can have a relationship and have access to God. And we we need to remember that because the enemy, you know, Satan, and even sometimes our own guilt will keep us from remembering that we stand right with God because of the cross and we are righteous. But the Bible teaches us how to walk in that righteousness. And that's very important to know and to remember. You know, um, so that passage goes on and it says, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, because God has a plan and a purpose for each in our lives. And it's the word of God that enables us to stay in that path, stay in that vein, stay in that flow of God's perfect will for us. And uh, sin, you know, when we sin, yeah, that sin is forgiven, but it gets us out of God's blessing and purpose. Now, the Bible is also a book of promises. You know, the, someone once counted and said there were like 7,447 promises in the Bible. And then they counted again, and they came up with 8,810. And I don't know. I, I haven't counted them all. I just know the ones that are in there that, man, when I'm reading the Word, I'm just so glad that God has said these things, you know, that I can cling to, like trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's a promise. And then there's other passages where God says, You know, if you confess your sins, you know, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John, it tells us that. So there's so many promises in Scripture that we need. And and you know what? That's why we need to continually be in God's Word because, you know, life is, you know, fluid. Things are going on. You know, we're up, we're down. You know, sometimes we're just seem so strong in the Lord. And then sometimes, you know, there's trials and temptations. But as we're reading God's Word, his promises and his truth are going to come to us and help us continue in that walk with him. And there's promises for every situation that we're, we're going to be in, whether it's for comfort or strength. I love Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, that's a promise. I love Matthew 11.28, where Jesus said, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. 
and uh, so many more. But God's word is so important for each of us. But I do want to close with this, because when we read God's word, we're going to grow closer to Jesus, because God's word is about Jesus. You know, there's a story in Luke 4, 16 through 21, and it's Jesus had come into Nazareth, and he had gone into the synagogue or the church, and uh, it was on Saturday, and um, what they did is they would read the word. They would read off the scrolls, and uh, they had um, a scroll with the book of Isaiah, and it says that Jesus went up, and he opened the book. He found the place where it was written, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him, and he began to say to them, This day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Man, isn't that amazing that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word? Jesus said himself, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you may have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness of me. They bear witness of Jesus. And like we started with, Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So guys, If we're going to grow in our faith and continually grow closer to Jesus, we need to be in God's Word because it is His revelation to us. It is His love letter to us, and it is His instruction manual for life. So God bless you guys. And uh, hey, we're going to keep uh, these podcasts going. So even though we're kind of wrapping up this series, um, stay tuned. Check with us. We'll have some topical topics in the weeks ahead. But thanks for joining us. This is Pastor Mike signing off. God bless you.